Hey friends, welcome to the Town Hall Academy, episode 131. Hey, what is your future? Do you have it planned? What are you doing to ensure your success in the next 5, 10, or 15 years? If you do nothing, you get what you currently have. And that may not sustain you far into the future. Bill was saying, is it's it's driving down price, but it's also there is no value to it, right? People know the price of everything, the value of nothing. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey friends, Carm Capriato, so glad to welcome you to Academy episode 131, and I want to thank my sponsor Jasper Engines for keeping the lights on for this very powerful asset to the aftermarket. You know what, Jasper Engines' performance and reliability is what their remanufactured diesel engines provide mile after mile. You know, Jasper's running completed engines are dynamometer tested with horsepower and torque ratings recorded. Talk about dependable service, jasperengines.com for more information. Hey, do you know that I'm on a crusade to get more aftermarket professionals turned on to this podcast treasure of wisdom? I know it will make a difference in their lives and business. And why do I say that? Well, because you tell me that in emails, texts, and via all social media direct messages that you love the podcast in so many ways. I'm also asked to recommend episodes for special networking meetings. And you also say that you're inspired by the transparent stories of the guests who've paid it forward. So could you do me a favor? Share this episode. Every subscription app has an option for that. You know, I'm confident that your friend will appreciate you for sharing. And if you see one of my social posts, share it in your network. And if you're an email subscriber, then forward that to a colleague in your network. You know, I'm all about rising ships, but it only happens when the opportunities are given. And I thank you so much. Hey, now welcome Kelly Weatherby, co-owner with Husband Lee and Accurate Automotive in Mesa, Arizona. Bill Nalu, owner of Interstate Auto Care, Madison Heights, Michigan. And A.J. Neely from Neely's Auto Service in Edgewater, Maryland. This diverse group has some similar yet some different strategies for their future. It's so refreshing to hear the dialogue and then compare their tactics to your current or long-term plans. We are in a dynamic industry that is in a heightened change curve. Now, you know that. Keeping up at all levels will bring you the spoils, though. And keeping your eye on your business with the future in sight is an important responsibility you have to your employees and your family. In this academy, we're talking about preparing your shop for the next five years. And we talk BHAGs, debt, branches, succession, training, refinancing, and SWOT, among others. AJ Neely, Neely's Auto Service, Edgewater, Maryland. Hey, AJ, nice to have you here. And Bill Nalu, owner of Interstate Auto Care, Madison Heights, Michigan. Well, look, guys, we're here to talk about the future. Uh, what are you going to do for the next five years and way and beyond? Uh, AJ, you have a, a great, great story. I love your story. Please listen to AJ Neely's episode. I top of my mind. I forgot it, AJ. I'll look it up. And uh, it's, a, it's a fabulous story of being so young and having such a big operation and, and how he nailed it. And so the reason that I wanted to have AJ here is because he's a millennial. And if there's anyone that we should think about, you know, what's, what's this young guy thinking about where the industry is going and where is his building going? Um, I want you to talk about the fact that I know he's a BHAG guy. <laughs> That's right. Big, hairy, audacious goals. If no one knows what that means, <laughs> that's what it means. And uh, he's, you, can't, you can't really have a vision for long term if you also didn't want to have be aggressive, right, AJ? Yeah, definitely. It's, I, I've, I guess you can say I've been kind of blessed with just always wanting to kind of look ahead 5, 10, 15 years down the road. Um, you know, BHAG, Big Hairy Audacious Goal is definitely something that comes up uh, in Gino Wickman's book. And actually, I just read it for the second time. It was one of our homework assignments in our bottom line impact group. But um, and yeah, I've got it right here. So this this book 
is sets the framework for you to be able to set up a system to be able to look ahead, uh, set those one, three, five, 10, 15 year goals. Uh, and for us in particular, it's 10 shops in 15 years. It's, it's, it's big, it's hairy, it's audacious and it's a goal. It's measurable. So, uh, 15 years from now, if, if we don't hit it, then, then we know we didn't get there. But, um, uh, yes, you, you've, you've, that, that you need to have that singularity that like that single point in time in which that is the light in which you're striving for. Um, because that's what gets you up every day and motivated to get to that point. So if you don't have that, who knows what direction you're going. Okay. So 10 and 15, when's number two? Right now for me, I, I have more immediate goals on debt reduction at this point. And I, I feel strongly that I can get very, very serious, I would say, by this time next year. So do you sit down with an accountant? Do you sit down with uh, you looking in the mirror saying, okay, when I get my de- debt to here, it's time to make a move? Is that, is that what you're kind of looking at? Yeah, it's, it's a few different things. So if, if I know that that's the point in which I really want to be serious, I also need to know that I should start making uh, the connections, uh, uh, now and start letting, cause, cause the, the, the way in which we're going to expand is acquiring existing shops that are already making money. So, um, that, uh, and knowing that now I need to make, take the steps to at least, um, send out the feelers, send out those little letters to some of those shop owners that maybe aren't even actively looking to sell, but if you just present them with an opportunity, wow, this could be my way out. Um, I need to start making those connections now, knowing that I would be serious and being able to come to the table to close a deal in about a year's time. So, you know what I heard him say, Bill? I heard him say that he's going to pay a premium for a profitable business. You know, it's an interesting thing. When, when this podcast opportunity came up, so with regard to this, I thought, you know, clearly I bring my you know, my 30 years in this industry into this, but how do you, how do you bring that kind of, of, of a time frame in without say, without looking forward and backward? And so I guess if we're going to take a couple of minutes to do that, you know, and we'll be discussing this over the next 45 minutes or so, you know, there are regular things that, you know, we plan on financial things and growth things. And AJ's got this incredible, you know, if you can pull this off, that's going to be amazing. And there's shop owners out there that are absolutely going to be headed in that direction. For me, I guess the best advice I can give somebody in in 30 years of doing this, I'm probably too much of a micromanager, too much of a perfectionist. And that's why I've never been a multi-location owner. But at this point in time, I feel like I can start preparing to hand this business over to the people that have helped me bring it this far along and do maybe a split shift, maybe do half at the shop and half at the shops and half in the industry, because this industry has given me everything. It's given me everything that I have. My, my entire business philosophy, my entire way of looking at myself as an American, come through all of the things that I've learned along the way, all of the hardworking, amazing people that have sort of raised me in this industry, and I'm eternally grateful. Bill, Bill I want to put you on pause. Okay. Kelly Weatherby, a co-owner with husband Lee and Accurate Automotive in Mesa, Arizona. Bill, wouldn't you have a struggle then in making these moves if you didn't have a good number two to support you? Well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, isn't that isn't that the, the biggest challenge of, of thousands and thousands of shop owners that you know and, and have talked to? Who's going to take place? And some of us think, well, it's going to be the son or the daughter or nephew or whatever it is. And then other times it might be the technicians. But regardless of that, it's letting go, being able to let go and allow things to not operate with, with you being in every single facet in, in the business. To me, I think it's personally my challenge um, because I'm such a control freak. Uh, you and, won't give um, anybody a, a chance to make an a, 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 a online parallel decision with you? I, and it's a perfect and it's a perfect excuse because uh-huh. Carm, you know, in order for us to to remain five star worthy and to be the best shop in town, I've got to be this raging control freak <laughs> that can't allow problems to occur, that can't allow people to solve their own problems. And we wonder why mm-hmm. shop owners have trouble letting go. We wonder, like like Jerry Kazaya says, you know, how are you going to serve two masters? How are you going to do business from a creeper? You can't do it. You'll never go on vacation, will you? I'm bouncing around back and forth between confessional and between advice at this point. <laughs> uh, You're all over the map, so, Bill. Yeah. All over the map. But, uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I can tell you this, Carm, and, and I've shared this before. The day that I paid off the building and I paid off the house, I felt like a ton of weight came off of my shoulders. I felt like I was worth 10 times my net worth because now I've got money in the bank account and we can ride out, I don't know, six months. If we had to shut down for six months, I can ride it out. Mm-hmm. And coming to work, being that confident about our financial status means I don't have to open. To, I don't have to be as aggressive as, as I have to be. Um, and I'm frankly not, I'm not frankly comfortable with the risk. I don't have that risk tolerance that I have at 54 Got that it. I might have had. I wouldn't doubt that at the particular age that you're at, it's not going to be a few more years and you're going to have to change your whole way of thinking. But that, that, that we just do a timeout and put that, park that. Kelly, uh, Bill brings up exit strategy, uh, you know, five years and beyond. Are you guys thinking like that at all? Yes, we um, have had, we've been very fortunate. And first of all, I want to say kudos to Bill. That's a monumental uh, thing that you have handled. So good for you. But um, we have been, Lee and I have been very fortunate that we've had um, several of our employees been here for many years. Our service manager has been with us 20 years. He celebrated his 20 years with us. And he started out, I think, uh, yeah, we are very fortunate. We were very blessed. His dad was our first mechanic. And so uh, Eric came on as a young child. You know, he was 15 and wanted to be, uh, his dad wanted him to have something to do instead of getting into trouble. So he came on and, you know, was uh, parts ran parts and washed floors and did the stuff that he could to keep it busy. And as uh, he grew and developed and he came into the office and Lee taught him how to sell and be with customers. And we've been very fortunate that he's uh, been an excellent student. And so we have that in place. And he is um, in January, he and Josh, who is our lead tech shop foreman, they've um, decided they're going to be our, our team, our exit strategy and our succession plan. And um, with that, I think, um, you know, Eric doesn't have all the skill set that we were thinking he was going to need and thinking we were going to be a long ways out while he was learning along the way. But Josh has some of those skills and the team, just like Lee and I are a team and we built it as a team, they will continue on as a team. So it's been phenomenal to see them since January in our, um, you know, kickoff meetings and our interviews to um, indicate that that was what their wishes were. So we're very blessed. Okay. So part of your five year and beyond, actually shorter term than that, is an Mm -hmm. exit strategy. And boy, we've covered that a lot on the podcast, but I I don't want to go into it in two details because we're really just trying to serve up a bunch of great little uh, you know, tax on what, you know, you three are doing for the future. Uh, AJ, when you look at technology and the, and the changing vehicle that's out there, do you have any plans on how to assimilate that? Yeah, you know, one of the strategies that, that every shop owner needs to be be doing uh, is, a, is a SWOT analysis, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Figure out your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, Threats. So right now, um, yes, I would say that there's a lot of things going on in this industry. It's it's evolving at such a rapid rate, and if you're not one step ahead, um, you're going to lose that edge. Um, and I, you know, I think for the small percentage of people that tune into this show, um, I, I would say for the majority of those that are tuning, and that means they're plugged into the industry. So I think you know, those are the shops that are going to be in great hands because we know what's, what's coming up. You know, the, the hybrid and electric vehicle technology, the self-driving cars that may come in the next decade, um, uh, the, uh, you know, telematics. There's, so there's a lot that's going on. But, yeah, so as far as us in our situation, uh, I sent one of my lead technicians up to Massachusetts uh, to ACDC for the uh, Up Your Voltage class. It's a week long. It's super intense. It's all hands-on. You do 40 hours of training uh, before you even get there. Um, and uh, that, that's the investment we needed to make um, to be able to, again, continue that edge and be that resident expert, especially in our area, to inform and educate our local uh, community that you don't have to go to the dealership to get these vehicles worked on, and we're going to have more experience to be able to do that from now into the future. A lot of talk about calibrating ADAS. Uh, does that ever uh, hit your fancy at all? Yeah, so that that's also there as well. We actually upgraded our um, alignment machine so we can actually start to kind of 
delve into that. There, there's actually some attachments that we've gotten for s- certain vehicles that currently have ADAS built into it, radar that needs to be calibrated, things of that sort. So we are starting to kind of take some baby steps into that, correct? Good for you. Uh, Bill, at your age, as you said earlier, you working on hybrids? You, you're going to take a look at calibration or not? We've gotten a few of them coming in. But uh, interestingly enough, it seems like they haven't come in sort of, you know how you buy an AC machine, they tell you there's going to be 100 vehicles coming in. They're not coming in to the, to the level. And, and perhaps it's partly because of the fact that our, our mix, we've got a fleet mix of about 50% and a, a customer, regular customer mix of about 50%. So we, we still do enough medium duty and truck work to where we can sort of buck that trend. But Bill, let me, let me stop you. AJ, did you have to do some marketing now that you have a new talent inside? Oh yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get on the mountaintop and scream it. Um, so yeah, we, we implemented a, a direct mail campaign specifically targeting hybrid and electric vehicle owners. We did not send anything to Tesla owners cause there really isn't much enforcement we can do with them at this time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so I'm going to do this on a, I can't, it can't just be one and done. You can't just throw out something and expect it to just stick. So, uh, quarterly is my plan to be able to continue to target these customers and let them know that, Hey, we're here. And we're ready for you. Thank you, guys. I, I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt you, Bill, but I, you know, I, I the the thing I think about is that you know we do a lot of things internally in our company, but we never tell the world about it. We just think that through just because we're here in osmosis, it's going to come in for us. Uh, you know, Kelly, Bill said something uh, a little earlier about you know paying off. When you think about five years and beyond, is trying to manage debt or financing important? I mean, it's right at the top of the list for sure, because if, uh, I mean, we have great people in place to have a succession plan, but if we haven't set up our financial situation or picture properly, um, what good is that going to do, right? I mean, they're not going to have success if we haven't given them all the tools. So I think in my talking points, I was, you know, speaking of how we just recently finished our refinance on the building, which gets us, you know, down the road. Uh, 10 years. Um, we have done some things and put the purchase some equipment and put some things into place so that uh, we can do that. Napa, we are a Napa Auto Care Center and we have been in ta- uh, speaking with them about putting a facelift on our building and because they say, you know, even if you put a new sign, it's amazing how many people will attract to a new sign. It's just new something, you know, a visual new something yeah. that attracts the vision. So um, we do have that at the top of our list. So right about, you know, we have our people established. Now we're working on our financial situation. And um, I think it's right there. should be right at the top of the list. Yes. If your customer has a vehicle they like, they shouldn't have to get rid of it because the engine, transmission, or differential failed. You know, because you and your customer know the vehicle maintenance, there's no reason they can't keep it on the road. Depreciation, license, insurance, interest, add them all up and they'll probably total more than it would cost to install a remanufactured product from Jasper Engines and Transmissions. Personal finances only go so far. Daily living expenses, college for the kids, and as we all hope, retirement. So before your customer rushes out to buy a new or a newer used vehicle because their engine or transmission has failed, contact Jasper and find out how a remanufactured product from Jasper Engines and Transmissions can extend the life of your customer's present vehicle for an amount much less than the higher expenses that come with a vehicle trade. Give their vehicle a new lease on life with Jasper. You had another talking point that I found so interesting. Um, I'm not even sure how to start the dialogue on it, Kelly. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, and and it was about uh, staying current with your obligations to the government. Yes. Um, I know that Lee and I in the past have had uh, slipped behind and have had uh, payment plans with the government, both the state and the feds. And in talking with lots of different auto shop owners in um, you know, Lee and I are part of ATI. So at super conferences and different times when we're back in Baltimore with ATI, you know, when you're in confidences, they will tell you things that like these. And I'm like, wow, I'm not alone. That's nice to know that I'm not in the boat alone. You know, uh, fortunately we are, you know, doing great, 
but I'm just saying it should be part of the dialogue and not really like a hidden shameful secret that it's very easy to do. Your 941s, um, they, you know, they're due. I mean, if you're a larger shop, they're due every week, right? And every week can really pile up if you're not watching um, your situation. Why does this happen? (laughs) And and I'm not, I'm not, placing blame at all. I think so many of us start out, you know, we, we, we we're great with our hands, good, good skill, love to repair vehicles. Then we become a business owner and we forget the total obligations that we have. That's right. Thank you for bringing this up because I don't think you can have the growth and I don't think you can think beyond five years and, and longer. If you get any, you know, if the government becomes your partner in, in a bigger way, and that is that you get a letter every week. And they say, Not only a letter, I mean, it, it can be devastating because then, you know, no, no financial institution is going to look at you in a, you know, in a good light, they're going to be like, well, you know, why would I want to get into a situation where I'm going to loan you money if you're not going to be able to pay it back? You know, that's why I think it needs to be a little bit more of a conversation with people as to how um, strategically you can be in front of that, right? Instead of just letting it happen to you. Um, how can we strategically stay in front of that every, every week? You know, yeah. do you have a payroll service? Um, you know, Lee and I uh, have gone to a payroll service and, just, um, you know, certain situations, you have a separate bank account. Um, you know, Profit First has kind of been a very popular book to read um, recently. And it does recommend that you put up and set up several accounts, not just one operating account. And one of those accounts um, can very well be your tax account or, you know, other obligations that you might have. I mean, some states don't have sales tax. Haha. <laughs> you know, good for you. In, in Michigan, what was great is, is I, I sent the uh, IRS a letter. I said, I, I now self-identify as a religious organization, so I don't have to pay federal taxes anymore. It's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. That's yeah. how I paid off the building. <laughs> but no, seriously. Wait a minute, Holy everyone. Here. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, hold the phone. <laughs> you heard yeah. it here. Yeah, you heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad my picture is not up there, Bill, right now. <laughs> yeah. The, no, the, man, the man who brought me into this world gave me the best advice I had ever gotten. He said, I can, and he says, I'll give you my life. He said, but there's one thing I'll, I can never give you, and that is my credit. That is something you have to earn on your own. That's and right. to this day, all these years later, I physically cannot stomach an invoice or a bill sitting here. You know, I'm chasing people to pay them. Oh, you know, if it's a credit card, I'm calling them up. And they always sort of laugh. It's like, okay, Bill, you know, it's first of the month. Uh, and it's because what's great about that is, is at the end of all that stuff, at least I know everything's been paid off and I don't have to owe anybody anything. And it's just a wonderful feeling. Uh, I, I don't know why we torture ourselves and start playing games with, with, and I understand sometimes finances are, are difficult, but if we only live within our means, what is it that uh, Dave Ramsey says? Just act your wage. If we just act our wage, that's 90% of the work right there. Yeah. So go. so important. Thank you all for bringing this up. I don't think growth is in uh, future growth selling succession is is in anybody's wheelhouse. If you're if you're saddled with debt and you're always and you never want to pick up the phone because someone's going to be on there saying, hi, it's me and you owe me. Uh, who wants that stress? I don't think we could think about the future uh, five years, 10 years down the road. I don't think you could make a a vision for your company and or your team if it didn't include training of some sorts and let me let me say this i we talk about training so much on the podcast i think people just say ah who wants to listen to another thing on training but i don't think we put out stuff that's the same old same old i think we're constantly driving a point or a theme or a concept or an idea or something new that's going on and um if it's leadership training and if it's not technician training Let's talk about that and where it fits into each of your strategies for the future. AJ, let me start with you. Yeah, well, like I talked about before, um, uh, as far as just getting ahead of the curve on the electrification of the industry, uh, you made a really good point. Uh, you know, ben, Benjamin Franklin said that um, if you empty your purse into your head, nobody can take it away from you. So uh, I make sure that um, I'm continuously training myself to be a better leader, um, better better with finances. I mean, be- just better across the board and trying to become a, a growth junkie. So um, <laughs> that is paramount. I mean, because that just trickles down to everyone else and that, that helps uh, with the culture and everything of like that. I mean, one of our core values is grow or die, right? And I, I, I only want to be surrounded by people that have that same mentality uh, because 
whether it's career and personal. I want to see growth in every aspect of everyone's lives. So, and again, back to our, our core purpose, helping people and inspiring values. So, um, if, if, if that's at the top and that trickles down, then everyone's going to have that same mentality. If they, if they align with our core values, everyone's going to have that same mentality to, to want to better themselves, uh, professionally and, uh, personally as well. So, so my advisors up front, making sure that they get trained on how to sell a lot of these electrification services, right? What good is it if you've trained the technician and I got the phone to ring with the, with the, with a mailing campaign, but my advisors don't know what they're talking about. So, so, it, it all has to work. It all has to be trained. So, uh, yeah, right on down the line, everyone, it's, it's a, it's a requirement for training and it's a culture of training. And so that, that if, again, if you want that edge and to be the resident expert, it's a must got to do it. Kelly, can we survive without training in, in our businesses today? I don't think so. I'm with AJ in the fact that he brought up SWAT and um, we went ahead and this year in January on our kickoff, we SWAT, we put together a SWOT analysis on each one of our employees and um, then had a conversation with them um, and let them have an input on how they felt about what we had set aside as our, how we saw the situation and let them have an input. And then part of that was what they saw in their growth, how can they grow, right? Um, what things that they wanted to learn about. And, and I think that AJ's spot on in the fact that how can you be a good leader if you're not constantly uh, learning and growing? So when your team sees you going to classes and they see you reading books and they see you implementing those things that you're uh, learning and growing in um, and set yourself apart as a great leader, and then help, like you say, it rolls downhill. Then you help your people learn what you have learned and help them grow where they want to grow, not where you want them to grow. I think that was the biggest thing that we found out of the SWOT analysis was where do they want to grow? You know, um, we feel like we have a culture in our shop of, um, you know, family and we, we open our, our, we feel like we have an open door. Uh, I hope our team feels that way too. That's the culture that we've tried to uh, put together. You know, our theme has always been friends serving friends. And that's just kind of how we, friends and family, that's what we, that's who we're serving, right? We're, that's, we're in business to, to build relationships with friends and family. So learning and growing and learning and growing and educating and all that is got to be right up there in the top, you know, four or five important things to help your business grow for sure, because you're not going to be able to do it yourself. Bill, you can't do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've yeah. got to, you have a team, right? You have, you have employees and, and you need to, uh, you know, help them um, reach their potential because you've got phenomenal potential. Like you have these skills and these things that you could be teaching um, and helping them grow if that's what they want to do. Right. So, yeah. um, like Carm said, in the next five years, you're going to have to uh, uh, change change your thought process unless you're just planning on being there until you're not here on earth anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that not an option. Sound, that doesn't sound fun to anybody. I no, no, no. I, I'll, I'll never make it. There. I'm going to have a wife that's going to choke me to death. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. He's giving <laughs> me six she, months probably. Should, as she should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, you know, for, for me, it's, it, it's interesting how you walk into a, a, a place of business and immediately you can sense the, the owner's uh, personality coming through it. So our personality here, I'm proud to say all of our technicians have been with us for over 12 years now. Um, Casey, who's one of my technicians has been with me since he was 18 years old. It's been 20 years. Um, <laughs> and so, and so, so we don't have problems with technicians and turnover with it. What we have is a situation where we've we've worked way more hours than than necessary, and and it's taken on my personality. And that is that everything that I do, uh, you know, the fact that I'm an immigrant and that we came to America, and that everything that comes through this immigrant's head, yes. value is valued through how hard you work. That you that you continue that every single day that you wake up is a declaration, an acknowledgement of how lucky you are to be an American today. And that's, you know, I mean, I'm not just, you know, that this is something deep inside my psyche and it's easy to say, well, you know, change it. So work a little bit less. 
how do you change somebody's personality when it's ingrained to that level? And so I guess to answer that would be, is it's just a step-by-step every day you do a little bit. It's, it's one of those things where, and I'll just give you just a quick example, not to pat myself on the back of this, but I, this is an example of this here. So out of value has a, 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 uh, uh, a cruise that they're, they're sending folks on and many owners go on this thing. So this year I decided, you know what, for the, 10 year plus anniversary, I'm going to send my ATEC and my BTEC and their families on this cruise. And, nice. and while that might seem like a you know, wonderful thing, it's peanuts considering the fact that these guys have had 10 years. We've been on five and a half, six day work weeks for 10 years now. So this is way overdue, way over. There's a part of me that says, what the hell have you, what is, what is taking you so long? Right. And so these are the kinds of things. The other example I would give you is, is I'm going to, I'm planning on buying a little, little cottage, just a little thing, maybe an hour away from here. I want to put a couple of jet skis in it. I want to throw a, uh, a little pontoon boat in there. Just something. It doesn't have to be super expensive. And saying this is the shop's cottage. Anybody who wants to take it this weekend, who wants to take it this particular weekend? And, and it would be part of the, the compensation package. What does Seth Sorson say? You know, we're going to need to be about $100,000 a year for average America. Forget about San Francisco. Forget about New York. This is average flyover country America, we better be paying these folks a hundred grand a year, total compensation package. And if we're not prepared to do that, we better be prepared to lose them. We are going to lose them. Thank you for that, Bill. I think you bring up a, a lot of great points and I think it does stay with the theme of what we're talking about here. How are you going to survive and where, where are you going uh, five years and beyond? And I think th- a, a compensation package and program and, and how things are paid and what we do for our people is something we absolutely cannot uh, ignore. Kelly, I love what you did by saying that she did a SWOT, a SWAT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats on her people. And, you know, in big corporate America, that goes on. Everyone's assessed. And are we going to invest in them? Are they growing with us? You know, how do we see them as future leaders in our company? And there's a, there's a million kinds of tests to give, but I think a SWAT is, is perfect on an individual. And if you were uh, creating a five-year, 10-year plan for your business, you can't do it, like AJ says, without knowing what your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats are. Now, we did a town hall academy just like this on SWOT, and uh, it was on it was town hall academy 040, number 40. We're at 131. So that was, uh, I think it was uh, two years ago that we may have already done this. What I think I'm going to do is recycle that and get this out in in social media and let people take a listen to it. It was a fabulous, fabulous Town Hall Academy, and it really served up the reasons and and why this should be done. So thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Carm, before we go away from that, I just want to be very – I just had one thing more to add to that because what happened on that was that Lee and I actually did an analysis on each other. And that was super interesting because we are business partners. You know, we're, we're married, you know, beautifully, beautifully married for 34 years, but you know, we're business partners. And so if we're not growing and going in the right direction and it was very honest and very, very, um, it was a little hard to swallow. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. It was hard to uh, have that one-on-one with Lee and, and I'm sure him with me. So if you're going to do those uh, individual analysis, um, do it with the owners as well. Strengths Finders 2.0. It's a book you need to buy. It's on my books page on the website. And, and I, uh, I, so I've got, I've got to stop for a moment and explain that if you take Strengths Finders 2.0, it's 34 pages. That's all you have to read in this book. And then you uncover the certificate at the end. You go online and you take a series of questions. And within, you know, a minute or two, you get yourself uh, your top five strengths. And you could pay more if you want for the rest of the 30. But I took it uh, uh, probably five years ago now, and I looked at that, and I said, no, that's not me. That's not me. <laughs> you didn't want it to be you. <laughs> that's right, Kelly. She she nailed me. 
I, I, I didn't want it to be me because in the current job that I had in corporate America, I didn't think, uh, you know, that my supervisor was going to say, uh, you know, I wanted a guy like that working for him. I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to be who that person, how I thought that person wanted me to be. Well, <clears throat> when I started to do podcasting, I took the report out again and I took a look at it and I said, damn. It's who I am. I nailed it. This is what I need to be doing in my world. Every strength lends itself to what I'm currently doing. So uh, the, the, the really beauty of knowing uh, more about you, Kelly, that you just described, you know, as transparently as you can get it up and out helps you be so successful. And it's the story, Bill. If you love what you do, finish the quote. You never work a day in your life. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and AJ... Have you, have you also, uh, you seem to be with the, uh, with the big, hairy, audacious goal guy. (laughs) Are you also a rocket fuel guy? And have you, uh, decided whether you're an integrator or a, uh, (laughs) visionary? Yeah, I, I am honestly, uh, uh, that self-assessment. I haven't read rocket fuel yet, but uh, they, they do speak to that in, uh, traction and, uh, no, I'm, I'm definitely the visionary guy. Um, and, uh, my, integrator, you know, again, looking ahead, Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of on my list is to, is to find that individual to compliment myself. Cause I'm also in the middle of putting together that, that accountability chart, the org board, uh, things of that sort to, to figure out who to put the right people in the right seats. Right. So I'm using all the terminology and the lingo from the book. So, but, um, but yeah, so no, I'm, I'm more of, I'm more of the visionary, you know, head in the clouds. uh, That's not, going on walkabouts, you know, yeah. (laughs) No surprise. (laughs) You know, yeah. Yeah, Not only am I not the integrator, I'm the disintegrator. (laughs) That's how much of a visionary. There you go. Well, your job then is to find one of the, one or two of those integrators, huh, Bill? Absolutely. Right. Power them. Absolutely. Let them take over. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Get out of the way, Bill. Yep. Hey, I can, I'm totally on board with you, though, on, with the control, t- the control factor. And I think that's uh, what makes good leaders is to have a bit of control freak situation. Um, you know, it's just it is hard to give up that. You know, it's hard to put the rope out there and to yeah. help somebody up. You know how perfect it is to see, you know, AJ, young man, five, 10 year, 15 year plan of growth, Kelly looking for succession and transition and Bill saying, I'm stuck in neutral because (laughs) I'm a control freak. I don't think we could have three better, you know, diametrically opposed people on this, uh, on this talking about the future and where am I going? And, and each of you describing your strengths and how it works into your plans. You know, this is a bonus. I never even thought I'm going to have to send each of you a check for this. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Thank you. And and thank you for Kelly Weatherby, even though we have camera problem being with us. uh, Bill Nalu is with us and A.J. Neely. A couple of things. Profit First book was mentioned. Uh, By the way, every time we mention a book, either it's on my books page on the website or we'll we'll add it. Traction's a great book, A.J. I I totally agree with you. Um, We'll put Rocket Fuel up uh, this week. And uh, and we were talking about Profit First. It's a book that's out there. Probably within three or four weeks, we're going to do a Town Hall Academy on Profit First by bringing uh, Chris Cotton, who is a a certified Profit First uh, coach, and he's also a business coach in the industry, and two or three, and I can't remember who's all coming on board, to talk about how they've integrated Profit First into their company. And Kelly, I could actually maybe add you to the list here, too. I'm not sure who's all confirmed to be on that show, but I think it's important important to know that so many people are talking about the value of Profit First and uh, uh, Mike McCollowitz. Okay, uh, continuing the thought of the future, and uh, let's talk about systems and integrations and, and how that's going to help our business. Uh, digital vehicle inspections, is this going to be something that's that's going to grow and, and be critical, or is this going to be something that's just a passing fad? It's never going oh, away. I don't never think. going away. No, that's that's <laughs> not a fad at all. It's, I may have uh, known the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why, it's just, why would was, you? Yeah. This is says, this adds that level of transparency. This is everything that that consumers hate about auto repair is mm-hmm. taking the guy's word for it over a phone, right? That's right. That digital inspection, when it's sent in a in a mobile friendly format, it's emailed to the customer. They can see it while they're at work. They see the photos, the great descriptions. It's doing the selling. 
Um, those photos themselves, there's, there's, there's nothing that can compete with that. I've never had a customer that says that they didn't like it. Right. So, uh, so no, it's, it is a sales tool. It adds that level of transparency with your customers. It continues to create that relationship with the customers that by far is not going away. So one of my, one of my things that I, I brag on all the time, and in, in my case, I've been a bolt on guy for all these years, but there are other providers of integration out there. You know, digital inspections were sort of the first generation. The second generation of integration is how do we get paid for some of this stuff? And one of my one of my biggest things that I brag about all the time to other shop owners and say, how in the heck are we still taking credit cards over the phone? And without making this into a 10-minute talk, it basically involves being able to text or email that customer the information and having them pay for it. What does right. that do to, to your chargebacks? It eliminates them because we never touched the card. We never had to look at the card. And so why on earth would we ask the customer to race down here at five o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock in the afternoon, just before we close and we're sitting there, we're waiting. Meanwhile, they could be picking up their vehicle, having paid for their invoice. They have a copy of the invoice. They pick up their vehicle and sitting in a lockbox with their invoice, maybe a, a small gift to say, thank you for, for allowing us to serve you today. The, it, what I've always asked shop owners is, you know, we say we care about the customer's vehicle. Clearly we care about their safety. How in the hell do we allow ourselves to take a credit card over the phone or online? These are all non-PCI compliant methods that we do. How do we not care about the customer's identity to the same extent that we care about their vehicle safety? Their identity is much more hard to replace than their vehicle is. And yet, and so this is a level we talk about integration. To me, that integration is it's just as important as even as more important as the, the digital vehicle inspection. I mean, they're, they're, connected. And so to the extent that we continue to integrate more and more, our ability to be able to to come maybe at some point in time, we'll be able to have a video conference with a customer. They're on the side of the road, vehicle's making a funny noise. I don't know if I can get it there and you're three miles away. Video chat, bill at Interstate Auto Care, and we can look at it and we can determine whether he should be able to drive it or whether we should be able to tow it in. That puts us ahead of the line immediately ahead of the other 50 people. I'll bet you somebody's working on that. I just wanted to go back to, if I could just for a second, Bill, have you um, give me a picture in my mind. So you have a lockbox in the front of your uh, shop, say, with a, a little uh, areas that, that you could put the key in their, in their it, ticket and the exactly. little uh, thank you for coming in snack or something. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, it's basically it's a cell phone locker box. I mean, I love this. And so what happens is is a customer basically pays for the invoice. We text them the, the invoice. They can either get it by email or by text message. They pay for it online. And so we never have to worry about any chargebacks as far as that's concerned. So yeah. we never had to worry about uh, a credit card number or if the, if the, if the customer's card gets, um, gets stolen or, or if the, if the card information somehow gets compromised, they know full and well that we never, we would not have be part of it. I mean, years ago, I almost lost a customer that was 20 years, my customer, because uh, they thought that we had somehow sold their information. And he ended up finding out that it was through the bank or whatever it might be. But to be able to say to the customer that we care about your identity to the same level that we care about your vehicle puts us, differentiates us. Is it 1%? Is it 99%? You have to decide how important that is to you. But that level of integration, to be able to say to that customer, we're ahead of the curve in this regard. We care about this. We care about your identity and our reputation. That means something to that customer, especially if it's a first time customer, because they look at this and say, wow, you guys are really ahead of this thing here. Okay. Anybody have a follow up to that with Bill? Well, we, we, uh, we actually just integrated it on our website. So you go to neiliauto.com slash payment. Um, and, uh, so we, it, we, it integrated with our, uh, current credit card processor. Um, we can text the uh, link to the customers that, and they, with a dollar amount, they can go on there, they can go on their phone, they can go on their desktop and they can pay for their invoice right through there. Because same thing, as far as reducing chargebacks, it was uh, a topic that kind of come up on one of our bottom line impact group meetings. But um, now, it's, now it's just trying to break the habit from the service advisors to stop taking the credit card number over the phone and get them to pay through, through that means. So that's... Uh, it's, it's an evolution, but next step. Well, I, I love this uh, conversation. Thank you for bringing it up, Bill, because um, it does give you that next level of caring about your customer because, I mean, I don't know which one it, in our town they have exposés on the news more. 
identity theft or rip off, you know, auto mechanics. So, I mean, the, the uh, digital inspection certainly takes care of that, like AJ, AJ touched on. And then this other credit card identity uh, thief situation could be really curved. And then that you could market it as your looking out for your customer and caring for them even more than you did before. Yeah. Uh, so that's really, thank you for bringing that up. Oh, anytime. And the thing is, Kelly, is, you know, we call ourselves professional. How professional is it to either us suggest to the customer or the customer convinces us to leave their keys under their floor mat and with the door open? Yeah, I'll pick it up at seven o'clock tonight. You yeah. don't think criminals are driving around town, making sure if there's vehicles out there that are open. Oh, and by the way, there's a key under this floor mat and I'm just going to drive away with it. Try having that. Imagine calling our insurance agent and explaining them that we actually did that. Yeah, I don't think it's going to fly. Uh, I don't know that they, you know, and I'm saying that we've been guilty of the same exact we thing. Are. I mean, we all are. You know, yeah, we all are. If it's done the tailpipe or on the top of the tire or under the car, you know, the, the floor mat, it's all the same situation, right? Yeah. And calling your insurance company and saying the car was A, left undone, you left the keys inside, and by the way, it ran perfectly. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, the only thing more you could do is give them a full tank of gas and have yourself a ball, right? I think if we don't talk about this next subject that I'm going to breach to you all, we, this would not be a show about tomorrow, the future, where are we going? Consolidation and the competition of consolidation and what it means. And I, I think we have to think about what's going on in the distribution side of consolidation. We have to really think about the regional chain, you know, the big dogs that are buying the regionals, the regionals are buying the smaller guys, maybe where you fit in, uh, how you see industry consolidation possibly affecting you. Let's spend about two or three minutes each. Give me your view and opinions of how you see it and how you think it may affect your future. You don't have to be an industry analyst to see, Big companies buying out bigger companies or, or vice versa. That that level of of um, merging and consolidation, I think, is going to continue on. We've got the giant Amazon gorilla that's going to be snapping up all kinds of companies that they think can take them further. Um, it's, it seems to me that that's a bad idea for us as an industry, possibly. But I could also be a fan of it if we just do this one thing. And if there's somebody out there that's listening, somebody – in a position to be buying out the next big company, why do you feel like somehow you're going to buy the next company so that we can drive prices down so that your cost of, of, of goods are going to drop rather than offering a higher level, an opportunity to offer that consumer a higher grade? So a quick example would be if an Amazon were to buy a giant distributorship and now they're going to be the biggest distributor of automotive parts in, in the aftermarket, why is it that they've got to automatically start chasing prices down and try to, I don't know, maybe fight out this thing here by, by driving the price of that product down, making that brake job even less expensive than what they were making it rather than. But Bill, let, let, let's think about someone who owns, who has, you know, 10,000 bays and they want to have 20,000 bays and, you know, you may have an opportunity to sell or you have to learn how to compete. I mean, that's where I'm going with this. And so I guess, well, so here's my, in defense of what I'm trying to say is if we're going to try to outsell by virtue of making the, the, that job cheaper and basically compete on price, why not just add value to the proposition? So if you've got 20,000 locations or 20 locations, why not add to your warranty? Why not add, add things to that, add, add a, add something to, to the offering rather than try to, 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 to outprice everybody else in the, because all that ends up doing is hurting the entire industry. And, and that seems to me that that's just the general way. That's just the general mode of operandi for, for any industry out there. And it, and it astounds me. I'm just a small business owner. Who am I? I don't have a, a, a master's degree or, or, or a PhD in, in this, in that industry, but why it is, why is it that they think that they need to go in that direction? And so I urge them to offer more at the same price rather than try to, to, to beat up the competition and try to drive them out. Because driving them out doesn't solve your problem if we're constantly – if the message is constantly, this is how you can save money by price rather than add value to that. Does that make sense? 
it makes sense because you're preaching. You're preaching to someone to say, you know, put value ahead of price. Uh, let the whole industry survive. Why don't you make more money? Why are we? Why are we uh, chasing to to the bottom? And uh, you know, again, you describe the one and dones, and I think that's what we call them in our industry. That they really care about the next break job, the, the next oil change. They're not sure they're caring about the next customer. And you know, they they just they just uh, they've got to do X amount per day, X amount of volume per day, and it doesn't matter how they do it or get it because they got to send money upstairs. <laughs> so that's my little rant. You know, uh, and, and uh, you know, AJ, I'm going to give you the last word on this one. Yeah, so honestly, at the end of the day, consolidation does not scare me, does not bother me at all. Um, it's Neely Auto Service, and it's service for a reason. We're here to serve our customers. Consolidation, all it's going to do is increase market share for a lot of these big corporations. It's, uh, it's going to reduce. They're looking for every opportunity to reduce costs anywhere they can find it, labor, parts, everything. At the end of the day, like Bill was saying, is it's, it's driving down price, but it's also there is no value to it, right? People know the price of everything, the value of nothing. So um, at the end of the day, we know our unique selling points. We know the culture that we have established. We are here on a daily basis to establish relationships with our customers to get them to keep coming back. And you're right, the one and dones is huge for them. They're heavy on marketing um, to, to just drive customers to come in with the next big thing and, and, and commodity-driven items and things of that sort. But that is not... Uh, a worry for us. Uh, we have a, a way of, of uh, differentiating ourselves from the Mr. Tires and the Goodyears and the Firestones. They have their own business model and good for them, but yeah. we have our own and we understand that we can hold our ground and stand for, for what we believe in. Uh, and our customers appreciate that level of service, right? At the end of the day, it's what we're looking for. So every industry is going through this. Like a best man at my wedding, he's uh, he's in the, he's an opt, uh, uh an optician uh, and owns a, a glasses store and there's consolidation in that industry as well. There's big, big corporations that make the lenses that sell you the insurance that have the doctors. It's a full circle. So, um, uh, you know, you, yes, there are some, some companies out there that are doing, trying to do the same thing in the automotive world, sell you the part, install the part, have the car. So Lyft being the biggest, Lyft and Uber being the biggest customer with a certain brand of vehicles, working on those vehicles in their bays with their parts. So they're trying to establish a full circle. At the end of the day, people are going to look and want a difference. And that's what we're here for. And I am not at all afraid of consolidation going into the future. Very well said. That's I right. think if I only had one thing to add to that, it is just that I've heard Lee tell a million customers that we build relationships and by the way, we fix cars. We, we're here to have you uh, learn and grow with us, be our customer, let us know about you and about your families and, you know, just to, the relationship building is really, I'm right there with you, AJ. Thank you for that point. Um, thank you. Uh, Kelly, I was supposed to give you a kiss from Bruce Nation. Oh, well, we share a birthday. We just had our birthdays. Uh, <laughs> Lee and Bruce are attending succession class at ATI this week. I know. Yeah. He, he, so. he texted me and told me when he saw you were going to be on. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Hey, I, I want to make a comment on something AJ just said, and I think that may be our biggest, uh, if you will, marquee quote coming out of here. The price of everything and the value of nothing. Think about that. And think about that strategy from a service advisor on the counter. If they believe in that creed, they're going to do everything that they can, knowing that that customer wants a price. The only thing they know what to ask for is price. The research that That's they've right. done is on price. They just don't have any idea what their money can, can buy. Hey, this was great. Uh, I, we went to a million different places, and I, and I love it. That's kind of sometimes always the value of the Town Hall Academy. Kelly Weatherby, co-owner with husband Lee in Accurate Automotive in Mesa, California. Bill Nalu, Interstate Auto Care, Madison Heights, Michigan. And A.J. Neely, Neely Auto Service, Edgewater, Maryland. Thanks for being here, guys and lady. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.